again. Wonderful song. Thank you for that. Navigate through here. All right. Well, let's turn our Bibles, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 again. And um, you can also turn to James chapter 3, and we'll get there in a little while. But um, last week we spoke about our words and you know, that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. We understand that words can hurt and maim and injure. And uh, we, we spoke a little bit about the source of those words, and we understand that from the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so we, we discussed that a little bit through the scriptures last week, and, and uh, what we're going to uh, find in, in scripture is that really... From there, there ought to be a maturing or there ought to be a, a process of um, changing us. And in the, the process that we speak about there is sanctification. It's, it's really the process of making us more like Christ. And in all our being, God's plan is that we would be made more into the image of His dear Son. That's really God's will for all of us, right? And Jesus is the measure uh, to compare to when it comes to maturity. You know, sometimes we can look at some role models in our lives and we want to be perhaps like them and we can look at others to say, hey, I want to be like them in this way. And, um, and you know, that's, that's okay, but here's the, what I know. Whoever that is, if they're, they're a man or a woman, they're going to let you down. They're, they're imperfect. There's always going to be some sort of limitation to their character or to their nature and really there are they're really a false standard to try to attain to but here's what I know also we have the perfect one we have the Lord Jesus that we ought to measure up to and we as Christians that's who we ought to look to as far as if we're going to measure the kind of maturity that we ought to have in our lives and so with with that being said that this means that including in that is how we speak our words and really what we we're going to see an indicator of our maturing is is how we speak we saw here in our in our key text in verse 11 Paul writing in this great chapter of um, regarding charity and charity what charity really is it's it's a maturing maturing love it's a mature love it's, it's, a, it's a process of being complete, being made perfect, and charity is one of those characteristics that are inherent in that. And he's saying here in, in this context, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so we ought to observe in our lives, if we're going to have words that can bless and help and heal, we ought to observe a, maturity in, a maturing in our words. It ought to be that, that we, have a, a, we, we observe a point of difference from when we were speaking as a child to now as more mature believers, how we speak and how we conduct ourselves. And really that's got to do with, with our heart. But then also the tool that then, then God has given us to be able to speak the words, and that's our tongue. You know, when it came down to it, the Lord Jesus was known for, for the kind of words that he spoke. In Luke chapter 20, verse 20, And they watched him and sent forth spies which should feign themselves just men, just men, that they might take hold of his words, 
that so they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. And skipping down to verse 26, And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. You know, they, they couldn't figure out how to capture Jesus, and so the only way they could do that was to think, well, if he slips with his words, but the Lord Jesus, the perfect man, the, the measure that we're supposed to attain to, he was perfect in his words. They, they couldn't hold him uh, to any kind of guilt or any kind of uh, controversy with his words. They marveled at his answer and held their peace. And we understand that the Lord Jesus, he was gracious in his words. And yet he was also absolute truth. And so we look at that and we go, well, how is that possible? See, our, our, our text, again, is, is really a, a critical chapter about Christian maturity. Char- charity is the characteristic of someone who's perfect, who's complete, Yet at the end of this instruction on charity, Paul uses this illustration of a child speaking versus someone who's grown, who's mature, a man speaking. And I think we can observe that quite easily. If you, um, if you observe children at all, you know that they have no control over what they say. They just speak their mind. Actually, sometimes if you just want a totally honest answer, you just need to ask a child. Because they won't hold back. You give them any opportunity. And a child finds it difficult to control what they say. In the first place, they, when they're born, they, they, they sound and they speak gibberish. But over time, as they learn and they are educated and they are trained and their, their, their words start to shape. I was telling some, some people yesterday, you know, Vicky, when she was around three months old, she, she said her first word. And it's because she was around so many people. We were at a youth camp at that time. She was, she was around so many people, her first word was hello. And at three months, she could say hello. It was sort of hello, all right? It was, it, and it was sort of, you could make it out to be that. But over time, children learn how to speak. Over time, they learn how to articulate meaning and articulate their feelings and, and, and deal with uh, conf, uh, conf, confronting situations and which teach them that words have meaning and certain words are good or bad. And yet there's an expectation that at some point, when they become adults, then they speak with some sort of discipline, some sort of limitation. They know when to speak and when not to speak. There's a level of maturity that we expect, what I'm saying, from adults versus children. And, and, you know, sometimes we speak with people and we think they're mature until they open their mouths and they tell on themselves. And yet there's a process in that. And, and I'm not saying this this morning, it's not a matter of intellect, but, but it's a matter of what words are being said and how actually this disciplined one is with their tongue. You know, we can, we can at times allow it to become uncontrolled and therefore immature. Because that's what it really is. When we're teaching children how to speak, we're teaching them how to control their tongue. And so there's a spiritual principle there, and, and really the Bible highlights that for us. Look at James chapter 3, and we'll read a couple of verses here. And really the Bible is speaking about the tongue. And, and notice what the Bible says in verse 1. My brethren... It says, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. And he's going he's to jump from that to this, for in many things 
we offend all. If any man offend not in word, notice that, the same is a perfect man. Now that means, that doesn't mean without blemish, it means complete. It means completely mature. See, if anyone offends not in word, the same is a mature man, a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Think about what he's saying. You know, there's a great deal of discipline that needs to happen if you're going to make sure that your body is is at optimum condition, right? You see some of these guys who can run a great length or they're just disciplined to get up every morning and and we all have done this. We've made a, a New Year's resolution. We're gonna be we're gonna go on a diet. We're gonna um, we're gonna run every day and how many of us uh, have had to make that resolution again every year? Why? Because we failed to follow the previous year. And I'll be the first to put my hand up about that. Why? Because it's hard to discipline your body. But you know what he's saying here? If you can bridle your tongue, then you're, you're a perfect man. You can also bridle the whole body. If you can discipline your words and you can show maturity with your words, then actually you're, you're the kind of person that can also discipline their whole body. He goes on, he says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they, not, uh, are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. That's pretty strong words from the Bible about this little member, the tongue. And notice what the Bible is clear about. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God, after the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing my brethren. These things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet, sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. And, and he's, he's just simply saying, look, this is, a, this, is a great, this is a great matter with such a small thing. And he's saying that, that actually if we're going to have any kind of maturity, we're not only going to need to look after our heart, we're going to understand the, the, the nature of the tongue and the reason we must keep it under subjection. The reason why it, it's going to, and he uses certain illustrations here, and this is the process, really, and this is the key. It's about containing the tongue. It's about containment. And in this chapter, the Bible is teaching us some major things about the tongue, and it's really likened to three, three categories or three things. Firstly, a conductor. We see that in verses 3 to 4. He's likened it to a bridle or that bit that we put in a horse's mouth that you know, steers the whole horse. It's, 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 um, it's a conductor in the sense of a rudder that moves the, uh, a vessel, a ship. But it's also likened, secondly, to a combustion. It's a fire. In fact, it's an unruly fire. 
And then it's likened to a creature, those beasts that need to be tamed. It's un- unruly, evil. And we see then that the tongue is also connected to the heart. It's the output of what's within. The, the tongue is a, the, the member that God has placed to be able to communicate what's within. It's a, it's, it, it, with it, you can bless and you can curse. With it, you can, it's, it's like a fountain. It, it, it comes out. It's like fruits that are, are, are born. And the tongue is also a revealer of a person's wisdom or foolishness. We didn't read the verses. You can read them another time. But in verses 13 to 18, again, in the context of the whole chapter, he's saying there that there's some who is a wise man and dude with knowledge among you. And he's, he's comparing uh, earthly and, and, and heavenly here. It's, it's uh, peace or confusion. See, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle. And all of this has to do with our tongue. All of this has to do with our words. And, you know, sometimes we can uh, avoid contention and we can avoid uh, certain things that become uncontrolled if we would only control this one thing. And it's a tiny thing. It's your tongue. Some of us this morning, we, we brushed our teeth. And I'm saying some because I know there's some that didn't. But some. And you would have brushed your teeth and you would have just, and you wouldn't even have noticed that this little member is so important, the tongue that's in there. And yet God's t- telling us about it. And what we learn then is that this tongue it's got to be under control because it's a conductor of things in our lives. It's a director. It's got to be contained because it can be an unruly fire. It needs to be constrained because it's a wild animal. And if we hope to, to achieve maturity in our words, we've got to learn what's needed to achieve these three, three scenarios that we're speaking about. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. You know, firstly, we see that it needs to be a controlled conductor. Notice again verses 3 to 4. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Verse 4, behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And we see these two pictures of, of the tongue. Firstly, it's like a bit that is in the horse's mouth. And I'm not, a, I'm not a horse person. Where we lived previously in Sydney, there was horse farms everywhere. We would drive through the, the, the countryside there, get into our subdivision there, and there were horses everywhere. I always marveled at the control. Maybe you've, you've just watched the Olympics and the equestrian events. And, and uh, who watches the equestrian events? Anyways, but maybe someone did this morning. But you see the great control that they have on, on horses. And it's all because of that bit that is in the horse's mouth. It, it turns the head. It turns the head whether, whichever way the, the, the rider needs it to go. And then it talks about it being a ship. Uh, sorry, being the rudder of a ship and how, how that little piece at the bottom of that boat can drive a mighty vessel through the stormiest of conditions. You know, our tongue is like that, but it needs to be a controlled conductor. See, both are small in comparison to the thing that it's controlling. You, you see a horse in, in all of its might and we still today measure how, how powerful a vehicle is, is by horsepower. 
You understand the might of a horse for, for, for centuries. It was the, the beast that pulled the great, greatest of weights. And whoever had the, the most horses usually won the battles. And we understand that, that, that a horse can, can be a blessing. But it can also become dangerous. Horses in the wild, if you don't know how to handle those, they can, they can easily buck you off. They can easily trample you. They can easily run away and destroy. And what he's saying here, that, that this little instrument can control that, as well as a, a, a ship controlled by this little thing, and they, they determine the direction and tempo of such large things. And you know what? Your tongue is the same way. Your, your tongue directs you. You know, the reason why I'm here today is because I said something with my tongue it was a yes. When, when at a decision point, obviously you pray through that and you need to be subject to the Spirit of God. But I'm here because my words directed me. And our words direct our lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, the death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You understand how we answer, what we say, what we declare, all of that shapes our destinies. You know, the, the reason some of you are married this morning, sitting next to your spouse, is because that spouse said yes. And can I get an amen from the men? That changed your lives forever. Right? The ladies laughed. Listen, it changed your life forever. And our, our words direct our lives in Proverbs 6, 1 and 2. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. You know how many relationships, how many, um, how many contentions ha have turned based on what has been said. How much has been preserved? How much has been destroyed? And, and how much have our lives changed the direction of it based on just the simple little member that made sound waves that created meaning? It's a director. And I'm saying that these intersections in our lives, they've been impacted by what we've said with our tongues. And, and so because of that, then we understand our tongue must become subject. You know, in Psalm 19, verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, if the tongue is the bridle, I want to ask you this morning, who has the reins? If the tongue is a rudder, then who's the governor of the ship? Who's the one that, that's driving that? And in Mark 13, 11, but then they shall lead you and deliver you up. Take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do ye pre premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Hey, listen, can I just remind you this morning that the, the one that we need to be subject to is the Lord. But the one he will use is the person of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And he's going to be the one. And, you know, the Bible calls him 
the, the one that guides us unto all truth. And so often we, we underestimate the need that we have to be subject. We think we have enough intelligence. We think in ourselves we have our own enough wisdom and discipline. And yet so often, how many times has our, our words and our tongue misdirected us and caused us to stumble and we, we, we've not been subject. We need our tongue subject. You know, in the early church, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. But I want you to, the last bit of that verse says, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I want you to understand this, this, uh, this, this morning, it's so critical that because it's such a great conductor of our lives, that we need to have our tongues controlled. It needs to be controlled by the Holy Ghost. Needs, we need to understand that we, we need Him to, to undertake for us each day the words that we speak. The, 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 the power of the tongue is too critical in the direction of our lives to not ask for help from the only one that can govern it. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. And notice this. Verse 18, we see this principle, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. He's, he's saying, you know, be, be, uh, be, be subject. That, that's really what the filling of the Spirit is. And then notice the next thing that happens, speaking to yourselves. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we can catch ourselves just without joy, without praise, and are constantly complaining about the situation that we're in, constantly complaining about someone else and complaining about this. You know, that's evidence of a tongue that's not subject. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, when you're controlled, your conductor then says certain things. It's filled with praise. It's filled with, with those things that are worthy to give thanks to the Lord. And our speech, what I'm saying, follows after our submission to the Lord. And too many times we've, we've not allowed God to have control over our tongue and it's become damaging. You think about an uncontrolled horse. You think about a ship that's, that's, um, that's got no captain and it's just... Are going through, you know, you think about the, the kind of injury that can have on those riding those great, that great beast or that great vessel. But you understand in this type, in this illustration, you are the horse. You are the ship. And you know what? It doesn't just damage those around us. It damages ourselves. You know, a ship that's out of control runs aground and is destroyed. Shipwrecked. It's it's lost direction. A, a, a horse that's got no bridle can't be controlled. It just roams free. And you know how many times do we just let our tongues just roam free? We say what comes to mind without any thought, without any control. And you know what? It doesn't damage. It doesn't just damage others. It will. It damages you. You know it. it it says much about you. And so I want to ask you again, if the tongue is the bridle, who has the reins? 
You know, if the tongue is the rudder, who is the governor? And so firstly, if we're going to see our, our words mature and our words disciplined, then we need a controlled conductor. We need to have our tongue in subjection. But then also notice in verses 5 and 6, go back to James chapter 3. Notice also, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Notice the second picture, behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among your members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. We know the damage that fires can make. A couple of years ago, all around Australia, just uh, during that, that really... Um, dry summer we had, we saw millions of hectares and acres just consumed. You know, we were driving um, up to Bundaberg from Sydney a couple of years ago, and we, it was just right after the fires, and you drive through all of the, uh, the highways up north, and you see all of, the, all of the bush just all blackened by the fire, just utterly destroyed. And you see that, and, and, and we understand it. those that investigated, it took one little fire that just wasn't put out or someone carelessly throwing a match out there or purposely, we don't know. But it just started like with the little thing and then it just consumed a great deal. And you know, our words can be that, like that. It, you know, we understand fire can warm and can, it can heat. It can be good. Fire can even protect But we know fire is a combustion when uncontained. It greatly destroys whatever it touches. You understand that. Sometimes we will say something in the heat of the moment. And what happens? It destroys your day. It destroys morale. It destroys a relationship. And suddenly that thing, that, that the words that could have so easily warmed, so easily could have, could have protected And what's the difference? Again, it just needs to be contained. There needs to be restraints given to that combustion. And we understand that that, that the words that we say, we 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 could spark something in a good way. Right? Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not say. Jeremiah said this, there was a fire in me, I had to speak. And you know, sometimes we hear some fiery preaching, and we get fired up, right? That's a good thing. But you know, only, only preaching that's contained by the truth, it's a, it's a contained combustion. That's what it is. I want to ask you a question, how did you get here today? It's not a trick question. We all probably got here by vehicle. You know what drives that vehicle? There's fuel in an engine, and what's that engine? It's a combustion engine. You know, what happens in that engine is just small explosions, really, that catches fire, and then it drives the pistons that drives the drive shaft and everything else. But, you know, the difference is it's, it's contained. It's controlled. And so, you know, our words and our tongue, when it's controlled, and it, it'll direct, it'll fuel, it'll give momentum, but it's got to be within the realm of the, 
something that can contain it. If it can become energy that moves the vehicle, and yet the tongue, it needs to be contained in that way. Um, when it's uncontrolled and uncontained and, and, and fires this, the, are, are ignited without any kind of a combustion chamber, what is it? it's, just un- it's just explosion. And what it does, it destroys. It just destroys. You see some of those uh, great buildings that um, when, when explosions are released, you just see the, the shattering of everything that was built. And our words can be that way. When we allow our words to be contained like, like a combustion engine, it can lend energy for forward progress. But if you allow your tongue to just spew out words uncontrolled, then it just destroys. And so what we need, what we need is just a, a soundness of mind. We need to think before we speak. In Proverbs 29, 20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Now, how many times, and, and probably anyone here who's played any kind of sport, how many melees have been started by just a, a word in the heat of the moment? Right, how, how many, how, how many um, just, just nasty things have happened on a sporting field just because a, a word... But how many more in our homes? How many more in our, in, in our livelihoods? Have, uh, how many relationships have been hurt? Because we just simply didn't think before we spoke. In James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, he says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Notice that progression. Swift to hear, that means make that a priority. Then slow to speak, then you, you know what, this slow to wrath. Slow to anger. You know, how many times do we explode? (laughs) Why? Because we just don't slow down to think about what we're about to say. There's no containment. The engine has to have a combustion chamber to contain the combustion. And and maturity is this. We think about it before we say it. That's your combustion chamber there is your mind thinking about it before you speak. And maturity knows when to speak and when not to speak. Someone said it this way, better to be thought of a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. <laughs> now, really, we need the right fuel. And secondly, if we're going we're gonna to have uh, this combustion of our tongue contained, then we need to be scripturally minded. Because at the end of the day, you're, 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 you speak what your mind feeds on. And, and he says this, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, this... Um, this morning. And notice this in verse 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Then he gives this word of warning. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. What these are? These are spoken words. And he's saying, meditate upon these things. He's speaking about Scripture. Saying, keep that in mind. Why? Because, because you're, you're going you're gonna to affect those around you. And he's saying, be scripturally minded. You, you speak what your mind feeds on. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, 
Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. There's, there's a right kind of fuel that we keep in our minds that then produces the right kind of output. You ever borrowed a vehicle and you weren't sure what kind of fuel it takes? And you foolishly didn't call, you just presumed. And you know, I, I saw this hilarious video um, you know, there's electric vehicles now, and there was a person who had a Tesla, and they came to the fuel place, and they, was, they were trying to put fuel in the Tesla. And it was just going everywhere, and, you know, obviously that thing wasn't, it was the wrong fuel. It's dangerous. It's destructive. And, and often our, our tongue is out of control is because our minds are out of control. We're not feeding on the right things. We're feeding on, on things that, uh, that, that, that cause us to think negatively or think harshly and the engine's got to have the right fuel and maturity comes to those really who are filled with the scriptures and when you have that, then those combustions can become good things. They can become contained and can drive you forward in your life. And our words then become powerful our words then become life-giving, can help someone move forward and progress. But that only comes if it's a contained combustion. How many times have we just allowed the, the combustible nature of our tongue set everything in our lives on fire? And then we wonder, how did this happen? Listen, you didn't control your tongue. You, you didn't keep it constrained. You, you didn't keep it contained. You let it combust. You, you let it conduct your life without any kind of discipline, any kind of... But then there's a last picture here, and really quickly we see that it's a creature. In verses 7 to 8, go back to James. He says, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. So he's saying there's all of these beasts that you look around, it's just been contained. And You know, you, you, if you've been to the circus, the famous, the lion tamers, right? Um, if you've been to, anyone, anyone been to Thailand and seen the crocodile man? The crocodile man? You just, just, if you go there, it's always a stop, right? And, and look, uh, you couldn't pay me enough to be in that, right? But this man, he's just, whatever, how, uh, we don't know, it's probably spiritual, but anyway... They just just has some sort of control over that vehicle, uh, over that crocodile. Recently, we went to SeaWorld, and one of the highlights for for our family was the the dolphin show. Right, and it's amazing. How do you train dolphins? All of these creatures, you just sort of go. You know, I grew up with a dog, and it was just hard enough controlling a dog, right? Like you just. But imagine all of these great creatures that really are just wild beasts. What a risk. I don't know, you just couldn't pay me enough to risk my life that way. But you just, you, they just, they, they have, God's given us an understanding of control, how, how to constrain those creatures. But notice the next verse says, But the tongue can no man tame. I mean, I haven't seen. My tongue's pretty small compared to a dolphin. 
But the Bible says this, your tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It, it needs, it's, a, it's a creature. And, and, you know, beasts can be tamed. They can even become companions. They can become a blessing in that way. But they need to be constrained. We understand in Proverbs 14.4, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increases by the strength of the ox. Proverbs 12.10, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. We understand that God gave those, it could, they can be a blessing, but they need to be constrained to be a blessing, and they can. A trained animal is a blessing, but a wild animal is fearsome and can destroy. And he's saying that your tongue can no man tame. And here's what I want to say as we finish off. You need to recognize that you can't do it. You can't control your tongue. You can't do it alone. You see, the tongue can no man tame. Listen, this is an absolute. There's no exception to the rule here. This is an absolute. And we understand that, that, that the tongue can no man tame. This is a beast you cannot tame. This is a wrestle you can't win. I want to tell you, though, in your own strength. And, and here's the point I'm making. Because this is true, you need to look for one who can. And here's what I'm saying. You need to resign yourself to the Holy Ghost. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and we'll be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, then verses 3 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. You know what that is? Just being captured in every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know, it's just being captured you know what that is? It's just a picture of being constrained. And you know the way that we can do that is, is submitting ourselves to the obedience of Christ. You know, it's all about enlisting the help of one who can constrain this unruly evil. In Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. He's saying in Psalm 78, verse 1, O my people, he says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Proverbs 4, 5, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. You know what he's saying? Listen to the Lord. He's saying, put yourself subject to his words. He's saying, make that be the fill of your mind. Help the, the Holy Spirit to have uh, just reign in your heart and, and reign in and be the conductor and be the one that is the governor that, 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 that directs and steers that, that ship, that rudder. Uh, make sure that you have the Holy Ghost, that, that you won't grieve Him, that you won't resist Him, that you will understand that you need Him. If you have any hope of controlling this thing <laughs> that is an unruly, wild beast that, that, is, that is set on fire of hell, that is a that is a a, a, a rudderless ship, 
without one that can control it. And I'm saying this this morning that that the words that we speak can be a great blessing and can can lead you to places that will just be an astonishment to you in, in all of God's graces. But only only can happen if you keep it subject to God. If you don't run free with what's uncontrolled, it, it needs to be a controlled conductor. It needs to be a contained combustion. It'll lend some, some forward progress. It'll lend some energy in your life. But it also needs to be a constrained creature. And I want to tell you that, that all of that can only be possible if we would surrender ourselves and keep ourselves submitted to the Lord, to the Holy Ghost, who's the spirit of all, who's a guide of all truth, who's a comforter, who will teach us what is right and wrong. And when we have our tongues submitted, then you know the, the outworking of that is just a maturity in our words. Because how do we, if we can control the tongue, then you're a perfect man. You're a mature man. And the only way to do that is to resign ourselves to the Holy Ghost control. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come. Lord, knowing that we need you this, uh, this morning, we understand there, Lord, that, Lord, even further from right now, we're going to get into a time of remembering, of evaluating. Lord, we understand there, Lord, that too often, when we observe our lives and we see just the, the uncontrolled nature of our tongue, this little member, Lord, how much damage and how much, Lord, um, misdirection that you'd help us, Lord, to just come to a place of just surrender to you, dear Lord, and surrender in all facets of our lives, not just our, not just our actions, but our words. Pray that then we would, we would just be a health to those around us and, a, and Lord, a health to however way you would have us to be used. And we're just thankful for that. And we're just going to have a quick time of invitation. I know we have the Lord's table in a little while, but as the piano begins to play, we're just going to take some time. And perhaps right there in your seat or perhaps right here at the altar, where you would just surrender. You, you just observe as you've just thought about your week that there's been some times and many times perhaps where your tongue has been out of control. And, and yet you see the Lord Jesus, how he... He was always in control. How, how in, in Him we have the victory and, and it's through Him that we have the, God, the Holy Ghost, to live in us, to control us, to constrain us, Lord. And, and so I pray that you'd help. I pray that you would help each one as um, however way you want to deal with them. If you're not saved here this morning, and I want to tell you that today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. The Lord Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He was a perfect sacrifice. And he willingly, in love, laid down his life for you and I. And today he makes you a promise. If you would trust him, if you would accept him as your savior, then you will be saved. He's not asking you to be religious. He's not asking for good works. He's asking that you would just admit your need for him. And so today, would you just come as uh, however the Lord leads this morning?